You've been looking pretty good these last few weeks, man. Yeah, I got a, a secret stash of the stuff in the mail. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got the Caldera Lab stuff too, huh? I did get it, dude. This is some great stuff, man. It's a three product regimen. Um, you can go to their website and check the uh, third party results yourself. You don't have to believe Ray or I, but we've both been using it. It's great stuff. The three product regimen of the good, the base layer, and the clean slate. People who have used it are experiencing smoother and healthier looking skin. It's really great stuff. Go over to calderalab.com and use promo code DELUXE for 20% off. This is a great deal, Ray. Yeah. Look good, feel good, live good. That's what I always say. Absolutely. Calderalab.com. Use promo code DELUXE for 20% off of your entire order. Hey, everybody. Casey here. Just want to let everyone know that we're doing a giveaway for Halloween. And since uh, Peter Anthony and Jason Brooks are our guests today, I'm giving away a custom Jason Voorhees Funko Pop from Roseblood. Check it out. There's only a few of these in existence. has the Roseblood logo on it there. The mask, number 13. It's never been opened. So... If you want to win this, I'm going to tell you how. You can email us at deluxeeditionpod at gmail.com and say, I want to win the Funko Pop. You can message us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash deluxeeditionpod. Message us over on Instagram at deluxeeditionpod. Or there is a way to contact us if you go to the website, deluxeedition.show. There is a contact form at the bottom of that. And just uh, shoot us a message on any one of these platforms and just say, I want to win the Funko Pop. And uh, we'll be giving this away on Halloween, October 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So stay tuned. Get those emails in, message us, tell your friends. Hey everyone, this is Matt, the Triple T Podcast host. What does Triple T stand for? TikTok Tuesday, a show where viewers submit TikTok videos and we play and react to them. The co-hosts, Toby, Eubin, and Richie, you never know what's going to come out of our mouths. We're live every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Beard Laws YouTube. Let us rebuild your For You page with the best TikTok videos and be a part of the show by sending in your videos. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com.
Hello and welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. With me, as always, Mr. Cleveland L. Ray Sexton. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, buddy. How are you? I'm having a fantastic day today. Yeah, Browns. The Browns win. The Browns win. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. Yep, which is why I have my jersey on. If they'd have lost, I wouldn't fucking have it on. I'll tell you that right now. If you're wondering why um, you're listening to this and the Browns are playing someone else other than the 49ers, it's because we record a week in advance. Yep. So we're riding high on the Browns win right now. Mm-hmm. But, Ray, that's not what we're here to talk about, is that it? That is not what we're here to talk about, no. No. We are here to talk about the conversation that we just had with Jason Brooks and Peter Anthony. Tell us who these fine folks are, Ray. These gentlemen make movies, and not just any movies, good movies. The kind of movies that you would like to watch if you're not, uh, you know, a loser. Yeah, I mean, these are movies that you should go watch. Well, even if you are a loser, I mean, these you're going to want to watch these movies, right? Well, no, that's why they're losers. Because they, <laughs> they don't watch their movies. All right. Well, yeah. So I know these guys. I've known these guys for a while. First met them on the set of Roseblood, which I was in. Roseblood, Friday the 13th fan film, written and directed by Peter Anthony, one of our guests tonight. And then I filled the role of Jason Voorhees, played by Jason Brooks in Roseblood. And then he also plays Jason Voorhees in Vengeance 2, Bloodlines. Fantastic fucking movie, man. I mean, we talk about it in the interview, like why they have to say fan movies, fan film, and they get into that. But yeah, like you say in the interview, I mean, these they're they're just as well done as... So like even better than some of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, just I think it's uh I think it's an insult to call these fan films because they're so well made that they should just be called films. They really should just be films, right? Yeah, but there, I mean there are legitimate reasons why they have to call it fan films. But either way, I mean they're great movies. Go watch them. Roseblood. And then uh, Vengeance and Vengeance 2. But I I didn't even realize this, but Jason, I, I didn't even know that he had to audition for the first Vengeance. I thought he was more involved with that. Well, and that's why we do these interviews, Casey. So we find <laughs> out stuff. <laughs> yeah, so let's find out a little bit more about these movies. And then we, we talked to uh, Peter about his upcoming film, Laugh. But first, The House Cleaning Ray. Mm-hmm. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Find all of the other great shows on the network over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. The podcasts of the month this month are Terror Tuesday and The Graveyard Club. Both kind of different shows. Uh, Graveyard Club is an, a YouTube basically exclusive show and terror Tuesday is a live Instagram show every Tuesday with our friend Amber 
who will be on the show, uh, I think, next week. So check them out. If you'd like to see what Ray's posting over on Instagram, check it out over at Deluxe Edition Pod. If you would like to support our show, you can go to patreon.com slash deluxe edition pod and hear about what we talk about before and after the show. I post the shows unedited exclusively on Patreon right after uh, we record. Uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt, head over to whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition. And if you want to hear all of our previous shows, go over to deluxeedition.show and you can find all of that stuff over there. Ray, how about you, buddy? Today, I would like to beg of all of you to like, share, subscribe, rate our show on whatever platform you listen to it or watch it on. It really does help us out if you just hit that little like button. It's, it's not that hard, you know? And if you're feeling saucy, go give us a little review, you know? Give us that five-star, three-star. Fuck, give us a one-star. I don't care. Just give us a review. Give us something to read. It's super easy, and it really does help us out if you just, you know, do those those few things. So thank you in advance, and that's it. Yeah, we appreciate it. And yeah, if you give us a one star review, we're not gonna we're not gonna beg that you go and give us a five star review yeah. and change the algorithm. Just go and review us. That's all. Yep. If you don't like us, you don't like us. Yeah. Well, we might come to your house and rearrange your face. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, I'm just I'm just kidding. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Peter Anthony and Jason Brooks. Thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time out of your nights to do this. Yeah. Let's get started with uh, Vengeance 2, I guess. Because right. I just recently, I just watched it again last night. Fucking amazing, man. Oh, thank so you. So fucking good, dude. One question, the fire scene. Is that you? Is that that's you? That's the one that's not me. I, I begged and begged to, um, when I contacted the stunt people, because at first we're talking about it, like, figuring out some stuff online and I was like, I'll just throw myself on fire. Then I was after a while, I was like, no, I don't want to be the idiot that's out there making a fan film and then, you know, screws it up. And then I'm in the hospital and then, you know, it just, and it's such a bad example. Right. So I went and uh, contacted these uh, stunt guys, uh, Peter Drago, he's out here done a lot of great Hollywood stunts and stuff and worked with a lot of great people. Said uh, he came recommended. So, Asked him about it. It's like, hey, can you put me on fire and teach me how to do it safely? And he said, no. But we got guys that could double for you. I'm like, no, come on. I want to be on fire. Like, this is important to me. I want to do it. I've done all my own stunts and all this stuff. And I just, I want to do it. It sounds awesome. And he's like, if we had a year and had time, six months, whatever, then we could train you and do it. But we just don't have that. So I was like, yeah, but I'm 6'5", 250 pounds, or, you know, whatever. So it's going to look weird to have someone else who's like, dude, we're professionals. We have every shape, size, color, anything you can imagine. We got those people for you. So they did. And they got Thomas Marshall, who's uh, actually like an inch or two taller than me and got him in the costume. And he, he did it, uh, killed it. Great job. Um, You're stuck going backwards through the chair. Sorry to cut you off. Inside the church is to me more impressive than the guy walking with his arm on fire. Really? 
Yeah, when you went flying back from the shotgun, when like Tom Tom Matthews shoots me, yeah, you could have got hurt. Yeah. You could have cracked your head. You you can't really see. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's more impressive than just standing there. Because once you yell, or once you go to your knees, they just put you out anyways, right? Yeah, it's like you. Yeah, I mean, it's a big process. You're wearing all the stuff and the gels, and it's it's very impressive. And this is the behind the scenes on the stunts, like I just posted to everyone, kind of that process. And they do the whole safety meeting with everyone. It's it's very cool to to watch how. My point how is that you could have done it. Is my point. Oh, I, I could have done it. I yeah, wanted yeah, to, yeah. Um, but just if I had the proper training. But and they were right too. Like you know, if something goes sideways, people are professionals, and stuff goes sideways all the time. Kane Hodder, for example, right? right? Mm-hmm. He didn't intend to get lit on fire like that, but it happens. And so they're like, "You're the writer, the director, and the star of this movie. If you get fucked <laughs> up, the movie's done. All this money, all the people out here, you're you're done. Like, what's going to happen the next day?" And I was like, "You're right." So. It made sense to get a stunt person to do something like that because that would put me in the hospital. Something else, I break an arm, I could be back. You know, did the fire ruin the suit? I never asked you this. No, I had a different suit. Oh, okay. So we had to have multiple. So we had one that was made so we could do a test burn, so we could make sure that none of the the chemicals or the paints or anything like that could could burn and um and ignite higher. You know, without the controlled um uh, fuel. And then we also had to have like the costume all metal, anything that had a rivet, anything that had buttons um, that were metal, anything like that has to be taken off so that because those get hot with the fire and then they'll continue staying hot and burn. So it's a completely modified costume. And then we got all that together, had one specific or two specifically for the burn. So that way, if the first one didn't work or something happened, we had to redo it. We'd have a backup. So we had three costumes set for the burn, one to burn for the controlled test, for the lighting test to get the camera set so that they know this is what the fire is going to look like. This is the color of the flames. Do you want blue flames, red flames, great, you know, orange. And then we could set, set just set it on fire without the actor. Then we had the actor in it and do it. So, but yeah, he did, he did great. And I, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, I wish it was me. But <laughs> I'm grateful for that too. Sorry to have so many questions. I'm the one doing an interview. I never <laughs> asked any of this stuff. Did, is he? I'm assuming he like holds his breath when he goes to his knees because they fucking lit. And behind the scenes, you got to watch the behind the scenes, case. They lit him up. I'm pretty sure you can't suck that shit in. So does he like hold his breath when that happens? Or? I believe, I think they hold their breath the entire time. Really? Because you don't want to breathe in the fire. Yeah, yeah, but he's walking. Yeah. I mean, that's you, not easy. Yeah, yeah, you burn your yeah because you're down there and you're concentrating, and then you're on fire, and they set you on there. Then he's got to walk, and when he gets up, he's got to hit his arm against his leg to catch the rest of it on fire, or vice versa, and then walk. And we went over it like a lot because, um, and he did a really good job caring about the role. And and we walked together. I showed him how I walk and how I do it. So a lot of people don't realize it's not me. They're like, he walks just like you. Right. So yeah, Thomas did did a phenomenal job on that. But um, I think they hold the breath the whole time because you get those flames up in your face. You can't inhale that and burn your burn your lungs, right? Yeah, good point. I never thought about <laughs> Damn. that. Damn. That's crazy. Speaking of you, you mentioned uh, you, that you didn't want to break your arm, but uh, that was one of the, the best special effects in that scene where, where Jason breaks that dude's arm and the bone pops through. Oh, Paul Taylor. Uh, that's, hit. that's one of the best ones. And then also, like, the, the ones that got me the most, that, like, really made me cringe the most was uh, that and when he peeled uh, Tommy McLaughlin's uh, nail off. <sighs> nice. That shit was fucking... I was like, oh, my God. Actually, just sitting here, I was thinking about... Like, I always think about what I'm going to say, and I was thinking about that, and it made me fucking cringe just thinking about it. It's, that shit was fucking nasty. Oh, oh, I love it. Thank you. Of, of Jason X when the, when the fat, like, son comes out to fight Jason outside the bar. Remember, he punches, he grabs his hand and both bones shoot through Jason. Remember that? <laughs> that was part... Part nine, sorry. 
Part yeah. nine outside the diner, the chubby kid comes out and goes, What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah. When he punched and dude, both bones pop. It looks it reminded <laughs> me just of that. Perfect. Yeah. It's a really cool, simple effect, too, um, to do the bone popping out. And it's uh but it was great. It was yeah, Paul Taylor. He played Pinhead Hellraiser Judgment. He did a phenomenal job selling that as well. So who yeah. uh who did all the special effects for uh Vengeance? Um, that was me and my Real Fiction Studios company. Uh, we built like all the bodies, the prosthetics, all the silicone parts and everything. And then I brought on Michelle Munoz, uh, M- Munoz and uh, uh, Naomi Mitchell Miller, who's now my my partner. We we uh, had them lead the team and we had a bunch of other special effects artists and makeup artists who kind of helped assist. And so we got there and I said, OK, here's the body. Here's the, the setup and here's the gag. Uh, Michelle and um, Naomi helped build some of that. So they were, they had understanding as well. But it's like, here's how it's going to work. And we walk them through it and train everyone so that they could perform it. Cause I can't do it obviously while I'm in costume, but some of it, because I did build it and I was in costume, I was able to do the rigging myself being in, in scene since I understood how uh, the mechanics of it, but yeah, that was me and, and the team. You brought some people back from previous Friday the 13th movies, right? We Talk did. about that. Yeah. Tamara from Halloween five. We had um, Darcy DeMoss, who played Nikki in Part 6, Tom McLaughlin, writer-director Part 6, C.J. Graham was Elias Voorhees, who was, of course, Jason in Part 6. We had, like I said, Paul Taylor from Hellraiser Judgment, plays Pinhead. Uh, Rob Mello from Happy Death Day, he's Babyface Killer. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Richie Ramone from the Ramones, <laughs> drummer there. Um, oh, no, I'm forgetting someone. Tommy. Tom Matthews. Tom Matthews. Tom yeah, Matthews, Tom Matthews yeah. Tommy Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was it was like you could, Ruby. I mean, yes, yeah, Ruby was great. Ruby. Ruby, oh god, Ruby was amazing. She was so she nervous. was really good. I've never acted before. I'm so nervous, and she killed it. She really she did. So yeah, when she got killed, I was like, no, Ruby. She was so funny that night. I mean, there's some of it in behind the scenes we put out, but she was hilarious and uh, um, just the whole kill. She was all for it and having a great time. And then the next day, like, because you know, I got a shove my fist through her body right and grab her heart and hold it and show it to her in front of her and so like setting that whole thing up we had a dummy body to actually do the whole thrust through but then we had to get her had to get my arm around her and through her actual shirt and hold it there so she could look down and do all the stuff and and then i throw her out the window and the next day cj comes to me he's like all stern and i was like hey what's up he's like i knew what you do with my wife last night <laughs> you know <laughs> and i was like which part <laughs> Throwing her out the window, ripping her heart out, you know, covering her in blood. What, what, which part? But no, it was, she, she killed it. It was great. Love her. What was the process like, uh, compared to the first vengeance? What, like, what was different compared to the first one that for this? Um, Cause I mean, it, they're both great movies, but you can definitely tell that this one, you know, is better, much better quality. Oh, thank you. Um, for me, I had more control over this one. Um, Jason directed it. That's why. Yeah, I got to write and direct this one. Um, <laughs> I had a, a you know a crew that I I work with on other things that I you know know and trust and love, and uh, who are very passionate about filmmaking and, and creativity. So like, I knew right away I wanted Cody Newton. He worked on the first one as well as the the B unit, um, and he worked on a lot of the kills, just straight up the kills and stuff. While um, Jeremy and Dustin did kind of the main the dialogue and all that. But I knew I wanted Cody. He's really good at action. Um, he's a director, so he understands direction, performance, and all that stuff as well. But he's also happens to be a talented uh, director of photography. And so he was able to step in and help me when I was in costume and kind of keep an eye on that. 
and he'd show me the monitor, you know, play back on things so I can make sure that I was happy with my performance and all. But that was the major thing was having the control for better or for worse. You know, it's, it's so much more work, but having it be so big and grand and having all those celebrities in it, having this massive story. I mean, we were, you know, shooting outside of our league right there, right? It's like we made a movie that we should not have been able to accomplish with that little bit of money. Um, so it, it was crazy. It was stressful, but I had an amazing team that was able to pull it all together. Who I you take one person out of that whole group and it would have fallen apart. Yeah. It's a great movie, man. I mean, you, you would never be able to tell that it's like a fan made movie. Same with Roseblood, Peter. I mean, they're, they're both. And, and, you know, you brought Cody up. He, he does play a big part in that. I mean, he's, he's really good. Yeah. He makes everything look, smooth and amazing just gives it that look and, and gives it uh anchors it in a quality with the sound um with the sound guys and the way it's edited and filmed and lit <clears throat> it it takes you out of that indie film vibe where you're like okay i'm just watching people in the backyard making a fan film or with the resources they have like he takes it to another level so that you kind of are able to get lost in that story and not think about the technical um parts of it and, yeah. he, and you know, Casey, he's a hard worker. Yeah. 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 I, I don't like that they call these fan films because I think they're just as good as some of the, the crap I see that's coming out. Like, like I love to tackle the killer donuts, but I think your movies probably better quality film wise and acting for the most part. Thank you. Compared to that one. And that one, you know, getting a lot of, a lot of action on the, the streaming right now. Is there a reason that it's called a fan film instead of just like a yeah. regular movie? 100%. It's part of the requirements uh, when you do that from the studios. They want it to differentiate it from theirs so that no one gets confused. Um, like they don't want you to make any money. Don't, you can't profit off it, distribute it and all that. And um, and they want it to have fan film in the title somewhere so that it differentiates it. So people know, okay, this is not that. And I mean, CJ even came to me and he's like, I don't like the fan film title. It's, this is better than that. This is yeah. like legit stuff. Can you say independent film? Like it's an independent Friday the 13th film. I'm like, oh, I wish I could. You know, that'd be great because people get this preconceived idea in their head. You know, there's a stigma around fan films and stuff. And so when it's, you, they, it's how many times, that, you know, you talk to someone and you're like, oh yeah, I played Jason and Vengeance and Vengeance 2 and Roseblood. And like, what, what numbers are those? Oh no, no they're, they're fan films and stuff. Or they're not one of those. They're not part of the franchise. Like, oh, fan film okay you know and it's like no but watch it you know really there's some amazing fan films out there and uh and you just read the reviews and the fans love them more so than uh the franchise films sometimes yeah. and um for good reason because when you're made by fans you right. get to have that that fan worthy content and um and do it justice where sometimes the studios are about money or about whoever the executive producer is who wants to get something you know in there or take something out because they don't like it so and you get to be ballsy with the script which the studio would never let you do like you get yeah. to have jason say that the necronomicon brought back jason you get to have mine yeah. freddie uh J- michael versus jason you get to do right. things that you never would know normally not be able to do yeah and laura park lincoln and darcy demoss both were talking yeah. about it too and they're like i love not doing a studio film. We get so much more creative freedom to be our characters. We get more creative freedom for the kills. We get, we could do things like we don't have someone out there looking at us over the shoulder being like, now 
don't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I just had that on a, on a film that had producers on set. It's a, not a, not a fan film or anything like that, but it was a legit film over the summer. Um, and there was a producer and they're like, you're taking the gore too far. This is not a gore film. This is, you know, this is a high class quality film. Like it is with quality gore because we were doing the special effects on it, but they just get their idea in their head. Like, Oh, if it's bloody and gory, it's trash. He's like, we're not making trauma. I'm like, this is definitely not fucking trauma. I love trauma. Thanks for the compliment in that way, I guess. But no, you know, um, I'm like, think of Game of Thrones. Think of uh, Final Destination. Think of all these things. They are higher quality films, respectable, and they go into the the gore, right? So um, anyway, they you get producers once in a while who just don't understand what fans want. They just have this like business side, side of their mind. They're like, I need to appeal to the widest group of people. I need to appeal to kids. I don't want it to be rated R. I want to keep the PG-13 so we can expand. I'm like, those kids are going to go watch this shit. <laughs> They're going to find a way, you know? So um, give them something to aspire to. Give them something to watch. Make it stand out. Give it uh, what it needs to be itself. Let it. Let this thing live and breathe what it should be and not handcuff it and, and don't let it live it to its potential. To, to real quick, to Jason's point, when he talked about producers and stuff, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Friday 13th, part 13 was supposed to come out. What was it, 2017, Jason? Something like that. And they had writers. They had two different scripts from two different people. They had a writer, director. Everything was gung-ho. They released, the same studio released the, the movie Rings, which was another ring, right? And because Rings did so shitty, and, and they they said this themselves, because it did so shitty in, in the box office, they're like, oh, we're not going to come out Friday the 13th. I was like, you have no idea what the F you're talking about. You, yeah. you think that the Rings audience is the same as a Friday the 13th audience? You're out of your mind. Literally millions of people a year go to conventions to get stuff signed and or meet Friday the 13th people. The video game came out and sold 3 million copies in the first day. Like, it, it, like it, there's no way that you can compare those two. And to, because of that, they scrapped it thinking they were going to lose money on it. And including the last one they did in 2009 made tons of money. So I, I they're, just, they're clueless like that. They're just businessmen that they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple more things about uh, vengeance. Um, Lewis Carlisle. Yeah, so I, I, dude, I told I came up to you at the Roseblood premiere, and I was like, dude, I, I had no idea that that was you the first time that I watched Vengeance, the first Vengeance, and then uh, I got a kick out of you on the on the gurney in the uh, <laughs> with the the big hard on. Um, so you do all the prosthetics and everything, right? Yeah. Like the, the big fake dick in the, in the movie on, on your body. You, you made all that, that my, my, uh, girlfriend partner did. She, uh, we, we, when we decided to do that, that was like an added scene later in a first test screen, people were like, they had forgotten some of the things that happened in the first vengeance. And, um, they're like, well, why are they doing this? And who's that? And whatever. And we had a new policeman, new, uh, deputy, in the, in the movie. So we like, okay, let's introduce him sooner. Let's get some information passed on to him since he's a new character. We're going to follow. So that way the audience is getting informed as well. And, um, and Cody, he said, you know, I don't, I don't want to just do this in the woods or police station. That's boring. We've got to come up with a new location. So I was like, well, why don't we do it in a morgue? And that way we could bring maybe a victim or two back from the original film, kind of do a little cameo, have some fun with that. And, um, and I started thinking of Diana Prince too, because in the first one, due to scheduling and timing and a bunch of mess ups from things I won't go into. They didn't get to get the makeup, which is the whole point of Diana wanting to be a part of it was wanting to get the prosthetics and everything. So I was like, it'd be great. We could bring Diana back. 
and do her up. And and me, um, yeah, Peter was uh, in there, and me, and you, yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. And we can and we can showcase because we talk about doing flashbacks. We'll show the fight and all that. But um, Cody was like, "Well, you know who you have to put in there." I was like, "Yeah, Diana." He's like, "No, Louis." <laughs> people keep asking for Louis, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." And he's like, "What?" Well, and you know, you can't have Louis in there unless you do a boner joke. <laughs> so then I was like, "Yeah, I just don't want to do the normal boner joke." Um, I want to come up with something funny though, or something more than this that. So then I remembered the the Netflix documentary about the Icelandic Philological Museum I watched a couple of years ago, and thought, "Oh yeah, Louis would totally donate his to that or whatever, and that'd be funny." So that's what I wrote in the script and everything. And then we realized, oh crap, we're shooting in a couple of weeks. We got to get this this fake dick right. And so uh, we talked. Um, Naomi and I talked. Like, should we sculpt one or what are we going to do? And and uh, that would take a while. So the quickest way was just to cast me and uh, and get that and just make a copy of me. So that's what we did. Went up there, did that, and then um, and that's what's in the film, right? And we were going to keep that a secret, and then uh, and not tell anyone. Just kind of like because once that gets out, then it's out. But then the actual museum in Iceland contacted me and they're like, "Hey, we saw this." We want to put this in our museum. And, uh, you know, are you okay with that? We're like, yes. So we flew out to Iceland, Naomi and I, and we put it in the museum. They gave me a lifetime membership and all this stuff. And um, it's, it was amazing. So another, again, awesome. it's in the documentary that just got put out um, the whole trip and all that and, and the lead up to that. But it was, it was funny. Um, and I was, like I said, I was nervous about how that was going to play out, but everyone's been really supportive and they love it. It's the topic of every podcast and <laughs> an interview. Cause it's just one of those things. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. Hey, bro, real quick. That morgue smelled fucking weird. Yeah. Dead people. There's 24 oh, dead bodies in there while we filmed. I went in that room. I'm like, <laughs> it's like you, they try to cover it up with cleaner, but you know what I'm saying? It's still in there. It's like spraying after a bad shit. You know, it's filmed in a it's real like, morgue. A real it, morgue. Me, bro. Yeah. yeah, it was they had 24 dead bodies in that in a room next to us. And and we had contact them ahead of time. I sent them the script and said, Hey, I want to be respectful to you guys, to the families, to people and stuff. Here's the jokes and here's what we're doing in there. And then they read it and then they sent it to their superiors and they you know, up the chain of government command and you know in the county. And uh and they came back and said, Yeah, no, we really appreciate your, you know, you being respectful about that and asking and stuff. But it seems like it is kind of a crude humor thing, but it's done in a tasteful way that we're good with it, you know, sure. so. They had a room, Casey, with, like, real skulls of people who died from, like, gunshots, and you could see the hole in the skull and all kinds of teeth and skeletons in the other room was, like, shown for, for show. It was pretty Damn. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Louis Carlisle, he's a character that, he's in other movies, too, right? You've oh, yeah. been in other movies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, six other movies, I think. And, I mean, after the first Vengeance... Well, I, so before Vengeance, there was a movie called Happy Trails, and that's where the character got invented. Um, I needed a, a cranky store owner. Um, we we're trying to cast, and I was talking to the DP at the time who's helped me do the casting, and we couldn't find the right person. And so the one I had in mind, and I just kind of threw on a beard and a hat and went in the garage. My son filmed it, and I said, this is what I'm looking for. And then the DP was like, you have to play this character. <laughs> that's you. I'm like, no, no, I'm directing. I don't want to play it. He's like, no, you have to. So I did. And then the director for Vengeance, Jeremy Brown, was like, hey, can we put that character in Vengeance? I was like, sure, as long as I get control over the lines. And we did. And then after Vengeance came out, I had six other film and TV people reach out and be like, can can we put that character in our movie? So then it became like the Kenny of horror movies where he just keeps dying over and over again. So we got Park Dead, The Awakening. Um, there was... Uh, 
Huh? Up, up all night. Up all night. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, up all night. Then there was um, the Medics TV show. There's uh, the Barn Part 2, um, Band Wars. It just keeps, the list keeps going and going. And um, you just, it came up with a life of its own. And it's, I don't know, it's been fun. Bro, the, you know what's more impressive? And he'll never say it. He went into character as Louie once, like, I don't know, right after you did Vengeance 1 on some podcast somewhere for for like a fucking hour. Oh, that was a live on Facebook. Bro, he was in character and people were like fucking with him or saying funny things or saying jokes. And he was coming back with one liner after one line. Whatever you said, he took and threw back in a joke was fucking more impressive than the movie. I was like, holy shit. character. Dude, sometimes I can get in that zone. Once that beard goes on, yeah, I got that beard. I'm like, you know, I just, I don't know. It's, I become the character, something different. Even your eyes, oh. you got that kind of crazy fucking look oh, in your yeah. eye. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. All right. We're going to get into uh, you, Peter, very soon. I promise. Uh, let's get, let's get back into um, Cody Newton a little bit with uh, Metal Kingdom. You just, yeah. you were in that as well. You helped him with, with uh, Metal Kingdom. Great little, uh, youtube thing that that cody did spielberg uh, right yeah, yeah tell us about that yeah yeah cody cody's not a hasn't been a horror guy he's a very family friendly kind of guy who does wholesome you know really he's amazing a content he's a Mormon. Yeah. yeah and uh so him doing this horror stuff is a little bit out of his comfort zone but he's learned to love it he's like i don't like horror movies or watch them as much but i love making them now <laughs> and um but he does his own movies. Like I said, he's a writer. He's a director first and uh, an amazing director. So he wrote this one. He had the concept. He's like, Hey, can you make a robot? And I was like, what? Yes. But what? <laughs> and uh, he told me the story in the original title, I think was uh, the robot that followed me home from school or something. And uh, it was a cute little story. And so I'm like, yeah, well, what do we have in mind? And so he's kind of went back and forth with some ideas and um, he's like, yeah, and I want you to play the main robot. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I love playing characters like that. So I built all the robot suits and stuff and for the script, went out there. Who played, played the tall robot, bro, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was his nephew. Oh, okay. This just like 19, 20-year-old young nephew dude. But I built it to be like, he was originally going to be on stilts also. But once we got to film in the house, it put his like waist at the top of the door. And so he couldn't get inside the doorway to get in safely. And, um, and it was just, it was too big to have it all work on camera. So it was tall. Yeah. It was tall because I built it all to be on top of his shoulders and go up and have the head move with his head when he turns and, and have it all work like that. Um, but yeah, we built that all in a month or two and then drove out to Idaho and filmed it. And it was great. And his daughter, his daughter plays the lead girl. She was great. With the numbers down the eye. She was phenomenal. Love her to death. She is. She's funny. Dude, the best. The best part of that movie. I mean, there's. It's not the best part, but to me, the cutest part, the family hit home Spielberg part, is when they click online to go to change your grades and it says, "Are you a robot?" Yeah. So Jason, <laughs> you like like this? You know, I thought that was great. That was clever. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah I had it in the script, and I laughed so hard when I read that. And was it your idea with the ice cube, like fucking with the yeah. machine? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm just supposed to be in the background looking at stuff, and I'm like. The, the idea is supposed to be a longer thing. So this is just a proof of concept for a bigger movie, right? And the idea was that I'm a, a robot that was being built and became sentient. And I suddenly had this awareness and realized I like life. I like things and I'm curious. And so I start to get, I escape essentially. And now these other robots are hunting me down. And then there's a uh, the scientist, the guy who's building it, he's not evil. 
It's just, you know, his stuff kind of got carried away. And it was going to be John LeMay, who was going to be the um, the scientist guy, right? And he, uh, but we didn't end up shooting that, obviously. Um, but he, we, we, uh, we did a shorter version, got it together, cut that part out. And we just kind of assumed like, okay, I'm just a robot that escaped. But there's so much more to tell that I, I hope we can figure out a way to do it. Because this little 25-minute short with all that heart and all that fun, like there's so much more to tell. You care Is about that the, the robot and you care about, sorry, the, her and you care about your relationship. And that's more smart. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Is that the idea of a short that, that maybe hopefully somebody sees it and that it will be picked up to, to be something bigger? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, sometimes it's a short is just a short because it's like, this is the story. That's it. I, you know, and some people are really good at a lot of impact in a short amount of time. And that's all it needs you know, turning it into a feature would be a crime because you just dilute the message or dilute the the feeling of it. But something like this, it definitely is. Um, we just want to show proof of concept, kind of grab you, want you to see more. And like, yeah, I want more of this robot, I want more of these characters. Because there's other robots we have in mind that are cool as fuck. You know, it could be in this. Um, and almost like the Warriors, right? The old movie, yeah. uh, the Warriors, where they're kind of bopping their way back to Coney Island. It's kind of the same thing. You know, you get this robot in the, and the kids who are trying to get back to the scientist and you got these robots to fight along the way. Um, Casey, C- Cody made a really awesome short. It might've been like 10 minutes, Jason. What's that one where he plays that like demonic clown thing with the top hat and the little cane. Remember that one? Oh yeah. Dude. Watch that one. Casey. I think I did see that. Yeah. That, that was, was a great quite a while ago. Right. That was a good one. He kept trying yeah. to shut the lights off and he kept yeah. turning them back on. <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, Eric's in the void, which is his son. So, Cody's son, Diego, played the other robot, the bad guy robot, the blue one. Um, he's also really good, very athletic, does his own stunts. We just watched him jump off like a two, three-story staircase in this last movie, just bam, you know, like just full send. But um, he also plays this ninja guy in this like cybernetic ninja guy in, in Eric's in the Void, I think it's called. But yeah, Cody does some really Newton and Newton.com. Check out his stuff. He's oh his son jumped off a 20 to 25 foot fucking stairs in the middle of the fucking woods, jumped in the air. All they had was one shit mattress on the fucking ground. I don't know how he didn't snap his fucking legs. And he Jeez. landed and rolled and got up like nothing was wrong. And then ran up and did it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, this for the new, is this for the new one that's coming out? Uh, 259. 259, yeah. 259, so that's the demon possession one. Yeah, and I, I had to get up on that thing in costume. I play the demon in there, and I'm up on these stairs. And I get halfway up, and I'm getting vertigo. Yeah, you know, and then I get to the top, and I feel very top heavy because this costume is huge and stuff. And I'm just standing there on the top of the stairs. There's no arm rails or anything like that. And I'm just, I get to the top. I'm like, fuck this, I, Dude, this is bad. Me, me, and Ryan were feet were off the edge. Remember, we were filming down. You guys were doing the um, um, the, the 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 grave with all the skeletons and shit. Yeah, so Ryan was next to me stoned out of his mind with the camera and our legs are hanging off and then you know it's real dark and that thing yeah. kind of sways a yeah. little bit and you're like dude i'm not really scared i felt like this is kind of crazy right dude, i hate heights but i, and I was <laughs> up there because it's part of the job but and i'm yeah, six yeah, five, so i'm already like top heavy the the thing sorry the the stuff is made of like this weird styrofoam ask jason so when you're stepping on it you kind of go in a little so it almost gives you the impression you're almost gonna fall through right so that's like, for me, it was, it was kind of scary like that too. And it's dark and they're blowing the smoke and dude, you just shit your pants. 
yeah. but Randy built it. It was solid. It was like metal underneath, had a metal frame. So I never felt like I was going to fall through because I trust their uh, construction. But yeah, I get it. It's like it feels unstable, even yeah. though it is. And then the eyes kept feeling like I was. Oh no! I'm, I'm glad that part's done. Yeah. <laughs> um, go back to or... the hmm. sort of like the the same point as like the short, like why people would make a short. Like, why make a fan film? Is it is it to try and get noticed? Like, to try and get... No, it's... I mean, originally, we did it because we just loved the franchise, you know? And we're just fans, and it's like people who build a costume. They're not trying to get noticed. They just want to live a part of this universe, right? And so I just always want to play Jason in a film, and I love making movies, and I love the character. And then when I heard about it and I auditioned, I'm like, it's a dream to be able to be Jason Voorhees on film somehow. And so we did that and then we got noticed. And so it was really fun. And I got to meet a lot of amazing fans and people and, uh, and connections. And then as you go on, you realize a lot of people seeing your work. And so then when it comes to part two, it's, it's like, we were really burned out. You know, we, we want to get onto our own things and make some original content and do some stuff, but there's still that bit of you that wants to accomplish, even though you've already accomplished this, it's like, yeah, there's still more to tell, but it's so much work. You got to run the the campaigns. You got to, it's not just showing up on set and making a movie. There's so much that goes into it. That's behind the scenes that you spend every waking hour, day and night and some losing sleep. Peter knows this right now, making laugh. It's, <laughs> there's, it's insane. The amount of work to do it properly. And so, um, and we did it with time. We did huh? it with jobs. We did it when we had full we job, full time jobs and everything. Yeah. So you get no life, no family. It's just go. And when it came time to it, it's like, should we do it? The fans really want it. We kind of want to tell it now, but it's like, yeah, but we do have other projects we want to do. So one of the benefits of doing a second one could be to kind of showcase our work and what we could do with that budget or what we could do. And, um, and how we've grown as filmmakers as well, because we took advice from the first one and put it into the second. We're like, okay, this is what people are saying. They they wanted more stocking. They wanted more character development. They wanted this or that. And so we're, we'd listen to what the fans you know, were saying and, and try to use that. So it was a good way to, to get something we make out to a broader audience that's already built in and show them what we can do as well as, you know, paying homage and tribute to a franchise we, we love dearly and uh, respect. So, so yeah. same with me, just, just, and by the way, I pushed Jason towards vengeance too, a lot. You, there was that yeah. long period where we didn't know if we were going to make it. I was like, we're going to do it, man. We're going to do it. And I was like, I'll do it. Fine. But you got to help me. You got to be yeah. there. I'm not doing it alone. You're like, yeah, fine. And then fucking Roseblood came along and he's like, I'm burnt <laughs> out, man. You, you're on your own. Like, Fuck you. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> but just the love of it, dude. You know, I've I've been a fan since since I was a kid. So was Jason, and just you know, Jason's been my guy. Look at my house. I mean, it's just always been a thing. And then, and then when they did it, you know, I was like, well, why why can't I do it? You know, not not them. Just other people have made films. I'm like, hey, if those guys can do it, I could do it. Especially with Sean, with Jason, with Sanaya, with Cody. It's like I already have everything. You just have to like come up with a script and passions there, right? And the skill is not there, but the skill of everyone else I have it is it has it. So this, I mean, it's scary as fuck. What, what's that saying? If you're not scared shitless doing it, it's not worth it. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's yeah. kind of the truth. Like, cause nobody's ever done something big for the first time and not been scared shitless of it. And trust right. me, I, I'm scared shitless again right now. <laughs> and I think that's, you have to get used to that. Cause that's supposed to be your comfort zone. That means you're doing, you're going above and beyond what you think you can do. Yeah. And if you're still in your comfort zone, you're not growing. Right. 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 
Well, man, they're, I mean, Vengeance, Ven- they're great movies, man, R- really. Um, that Jason uh, that Jason uh, stunt guy in, in Rosebud, he really kicked ass after he opened that door. <laughs> the axe swinging <laughs> murderer. Oh, that guy, dude, was awesome, yeah, bro. he was brutal. <laughs> that, that picture of you with the hood on with your glasses, bro. All the time, fucking classic. Never seen a Jason wearing glasses under a fucking hood. In life. <laughs> yeah, fun times. No, fun times. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, before we get into laugh that we've mentioned here. Uh, let's talk about the horror verse, Peter. Tell us about the uh, horror verse codename Tank and uh, going out there and blowing out your knee and all that stuff. Yeah, so Aaron Carlson and Charles Lawson, that's like their little baby. So they made um man, what was the the Michael one Jason called? The one they made three of them? Oh yeah, yeah. Halloween. They're gonna kill me. <laughs> the the shape. The shape. So they made the shape one, two, and three, which was like kind of shorts of Michael films, which was pretty cool. And they had a ton of success with it. And they made those three. And then they came up with the idea of um, let's make this horror verse where we're like they have. I mean, they've already talked about it in the trailer. You've got Freddy and Pinhead and Jason and Michael, and they're like Wolverines and Titans and and monsters and vampires and all kinds of shit like all together in this universe. And they contacted. So I guess it's like the first gig I got. Oh, besides Fall Camp, but I guess. And they're like, hey, we there's this character Tank that's this fucking badass that you know fucking the smoke cigars fucking makes these badass talk shit all the time we think you're perfect <laughs> we think you're perfect for it and i'm like fuck yeah so uh, they actually flew me out there and then did it and then so that scene with the knee you know my knee is destroyed i, I try to act like it's okay but it's it's not okay i mean i've had 23 knee surgeries i've had it replaced i've had two surgeries on the replacement after it was replaced i'm legally handicapped like i've had 39 body surgeries i can't do anything without getting hurt but their scene was he comes at me and like I throw him and I'm like, what if I just fucking pick him up over my head? Because I was I went in my my garage for a month and a half. Right. And I did push up, sit ups, hit the speed bag. And bro, like a good amount of muscle came back. You know, Dude, this case. we talked when about you took when you yeah. took off your shirt and you're in that wife beer. I was like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, so like a month and a half, you know, no juice, no nothing, no real weights. Just in my I'm like, man, I'm almost 50. Ah, fuck i feel good you feel good but your fucking body ain't good you know what i'm saying so like the thing with me is all my muscles are strong it's everything that connects them it's fucking shot <laughs> so, so he there's a scene he's supposed to run and jump you know so i'm still pretty strong right so if, if i'm like dude if you jump like wrestling right i'm like and if you post on this shoulder and yeah. i got your waist all i really got is your leg weight which is fucking nothing the guy's like 155 pounds Dude, yeah. the dude hit the brakes like three times uh, on it. Jumped one time, we fell backwards. He jumped the other time, I dropped him on on the bed. The next time, like he fucked up, my head went back. Dude, and then he came again. He hit the brakes. I have the video of the behind the scenes. I got pissed. I grabbed his dick and balls, <laughs> and I grabbed his fucking throat, and I just straight muscled him over my fucking head. And then when I went to throw him down, he held on to me <laughs> instead of going on to, and that kind of made me buckle. And then it started to swell. And I went back to the room and it was kind of bad, but it's always bad. So I don't know. The next day we shot a scene in a bar and we were down, sitting down drinking, drinking for like two hours, three hours. I went to stand up and my, my knee popped. I I sent Jason and Sean the live video of it. Um, It popped out of place backwards and my foot was backwards and it was dislocated back. And now the weight of it was hanging in the air. Oh, holy fuck. So they're like, Oh, we're all done. You know, I just said, I go, Hey, uh, Aaron, uh, my legs out of place backwards. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, look. And I showed him. He's like, holy shit. I go, dude, I don't know what to do. Let me try popping it back in or straightening it. And it wouldn't go in. 
because uh, there was so much blood in the way. There's like no room for it to go. So I said, dude, just pick me up and carry me to the bar and the bar will hide it and we'll shoot the scenes there. And then we had to go outside. So like, okay, we're not doing outside. Bullshit. I'm already fucked up. I already have to go get surgery or whatever. What the fuck's the matter? So so I'm like, let's just go outside. Instead of me walking, I'll I'll hold the door off camera and we'll do the outside scene. And then we did that. And then they picked me up, put me in the car. I drove all the way. What is it? An hour, Jason, right? Tacoma. An hour back to Seattle, and Sean and Cody came and brought me in the room, dropped me in the room. I slept with my knee like a teepee on a, on a piece of uh, furniture, and after a couple hours, it popped back in, uh-huh. almost threw up, passed out. In the morning, Sean came, took me to the hospital. They took 250 cc's of blood. They wouldn't let me film it, but uh, 250 cc's of blood. Now it's fucked. There's pieces of metal in I got to get it replaced, but I got to replace again. I got to do it after laugh. I, I can't do it now. Fuck, man. Yeah. It sucked. Fuck. Yeah. I was so happy. I was feeling good. I was in shape. You know? Yeah, that's I, when, when I saw you at the airport. Yeah. And Even Dallas. Riley was here a few weeks before. I took my shirt off. I hit a little pose. Had the top two abs coming in, little <laughs> veins coming. I still look like an old man, but, you know, I felt good. No, God's like, no, fuck you, asshole. You've been a dick your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, so that, that, uh, that horror verse, is that a series? So are, are every one of those tied together? Because I only watched yours. So he did, I think, nine of them. Or there's, yeah, like eight or nine of them. And they're a series. They're like intro characters for everybody. But now, starting um, like in April, March of next year, He's going to film, I think, two full movies doing all of it now, the rest of it. What his idea was to introduce the characters to people. So me and the team, so me, there's a guy named Bullet, a guy named Tank, a guy named, like, all of us get together to try to hunt all these monsters. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I I mean, just from what I saw, it's only 10 minutes long. It's fucking, it's really good. That's me do whatever I want. I'm like, hey, can I get fake tattoos? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I wear blue contacts? like, yeah. I'm like, can I smoke cigars? Yeah. And then right before, oh, can I make fun of this guy when he rolls up on me? He's like, yeah. So that's why I said, like, what the fuck are you going to do, Eddie Munster? And they all started laughing, and that's the guy I picked up. So he kind of lets me do whatever I want. He goes, I'll let you do what you want because that guy is you. Whatever you do is him. You get it? So yeah. it like, makes sense. Right. Yeah. I got to say the, the fake tattoos looked really good, Peter. How come, you, how come you're not getting them? Oh, I, first of all, Jason and Naomi did them for me. So kudos to them. He told me where to buy them and everything. So that's all him. Um, when I grew up, I don't know what it is. When I grew up, all my friends are tatted pretty much from their neck. You know, Nazer, Jason, right? Like yeah. everybody's tatted all the way down. I don't know. I think it's because I was bodybuilding and I didn't want it to look bad. And then after years, like you're in your 40s, you're like, what the fuck am I going to do now? And and now it's I kind of glad now because a lot of people don't like the ones they have. Everyone I know has tattoos says they wish they could like wipe and redo over. So I, I guess I, I hit the bullet. See, I just started getting them. So you like yeah, I do. I got the I got my Necronomicon right there. You can see, I just got that like six months ago. You want to know another thing? To be honest with you. Okay, I'll be dead honest. I'm cocky, but I'm honest. You can hit me with a fucking bat, and I'll laugh. If you take your finger and you tap it on the same part of my arm like three fucking times, I'll want to kill you. So I don't know if I'd be okay with that fucking shit when because people tell me it's annoying and they just keep going to the same spot a yeah. hundred times. I think it would piss me off. I'll tell you right now, the dentist is a bigger bitch than the tattoo artist. That yeah. dentist is all up in your mouth, stabbing you with shit. Tattoos like, are nothing compared to that. If you had a big piece, right? So they do the outline, and then people tell me it gets raw. So then they go back to the middle, they do some shit, and then when they go back, 
it's already raw and they go back over it. And that's the motherfucker. That's what I to me, Yeah. Yeah. It feels like you got a really bad sunburn and you're taking like a piece of sandpaper and going over it, over yep. over on the sunburn. Like, yeah, that's and what the, it like to me. yeah, yeah. The, the the fun part is though, you think they're done, and they're like, "Okay, are you ready for the white?" For the white, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, fuck, go ahead." Yeah, do we need yeah. the white? Uh, it's a no. They, they will ask you. They'll go, you know, we don't have to do the white. You know, you could just have it skin color. And I'm like, no, "Fuck, get get the white." Yeah, get in there, do it. Jesus, you want to hear a funny Peter Anthony story? Right, this is yeah. one of those crazy stories uh, that we could either cut or leave. So <laughs> this, I ended up the, my ex. um Fiance Rita just passed away a couple of years ago. She's a girl I dated years back in 2004. Um, total sweetheart. Total, total sad situation. Well, she's from Boston. She was like 32 years old when I was like 28. And she kind of knew I was a player, you know? And um, she's like, oh, you got to get tested for everything. Well, I'm like, well, I, okay. I went and got all these AIDS tests, whatever. But I guess you can't get a herpes test unless like you had an outbreak. Like if you, there's no way to test you because it's dormant. Unless... You go to the doctor and they have this one thing. So she's like, oh, I looked it up. You can go get this one thing. So I'm like, whatever the fuck. Go to the doctor. Bro, <laughs> take a Q-tip and elongate it twice as long. And at the end of it, put a diamond to the left and a diamond to the right, like a hatchet. Okay? They go. The guy goes, I'm going to go down your dick hole all the way. I'm going to churn it three times. It's going to take off flesh from the inside of your urinary tract. I'm going to pull it out. We take the flesh and then we test it. That's how we tell. And I was like, okay. He goes, it's going to fucking hurt a lot. You're not going to like it. I go, fucking get over with, bro. At this point, my dick's about a thimble. He fucking <laughs> grabs it, puts the thing in, bro. Twisted three, pulls it out. Blood comes out with it, right? With the chunk, everything. He looks up at me. He's like, are you okay? I go, if you ever do that again, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the worst thing ever, bro. Holy oh shit. My God. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that sounds worse than getting a tattoo, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pretty fucking sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. That is not a Friday night for me. No. I heard it's like that when you pass a uh, kidney stone, too, right? That's what I heard, yeah. I, I put my boy played NHL hockey, one of the toughest dudes I know. He he told me the truth. He goes, Bro, I was sitting on the bowl crying, passing one through my dick. He goes, It was Ugh. that bad. I was like, Fuck. <sighs> no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm like, can we just right, laser, laser that thing? Uh, you know? I'm like, can we laser that thing? You know, break it down. Yeah, right. fuck, uh... Yep, all clear. <laughs> I went to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about laugh, Peter. How did the uh, the concept tell us all about it? It's so long. I'll try to make a short version of it. No, don't make it short. I mean, we're what are we doing? We're <laughs> podcasting, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um. What's give me a give, give me a question on it? What's the story about where to come from? Give me something because I got to. So I okay, something. are you ready, Peter? Right. So you're making this movie called Laugh, yes, correct? Sir. Yes. Sir. So what is the plot of this movie? Whew, where do we start? It's the main plot is my character Peter Collymore. I wanted to keep it as real to my life as I possibly can. Some of the names are pretty close to people in my life, and it and there's parallels to my life, and it's almost like me um, going to therapy. Right. And letting these these losses in my life out. But it's it's a descent into madness. He starts over here and similar to Joker and throughout the movie, all these things happen to him, which push him in a way in, into madness. And he ends up becoming like a bad person because of these things. But there's so many side stories and side plots. My father's Terry Kaiser. He's a former war hero. He's a drug addict. I'm a war hero that everyone thinks, yet I can't laugh. And people are like, why can't you laugh? I'm up for an Oscar. 
I'm an actor with another guy who's a bad guy, but I don't ever win because I can't laugh in my roles. There's a reason for that that comes out all at the end. There's a lot of biblical stuff going on. There's there's a club scene where I'm in the club. It's Halloween. Everybody's Casey, you guys want to come up and be extras in the Halloween scene? Let me know. November 5th. And Jason's in this. So uh, during this, I'll give you that. I'll give you the, that scene. That'll give you the best. We're in a club and I'm there. My face is painted in this in this world. Actors who succeed have the paint, paint painted faces. Just weird, right? It's kind of the thing I came up with. There's this play. If you ever go to these really nice clubs like New York, L.A., uh, you know, the, at midnight, they have these crazy plays in the middle of a club, like the, either a dance thing or something nuts, like in the middle of a club. And on Halloween, if you went to like New York or something, they'd have something fucking sick as fuck on stage. So I'm trying. I created this play that happens while I'm, I'm in like a VIP booth watching it. And the play has Jason as the devil. And there's like four segments where he meets a girl who's a nice girl. And then he proposes to the girl, he marries the girl, and then they have a child at the end. I don't want to give away a little bit more, but, and there's parallels to my life during the play while I'm watching it. And while I'm watching it, I go to the bathroom and some crazy shit happens in the bathroom. It's kind of like Star Wars, where there's a fight on the moon of Endor, there's a fight versus Vader, and then there's a fight on on the spaceships. All three things are like revolving at the same time um, into like one like ending like that. Then it ends actually in the Oscars back in LA, like on a stage. And that's all I can kind of give you. Cause there's so many, right, Jason, there's like so many more things to it that I can't give away, but basically I'm, I'm like planting these seeds of story for people. And at the end, it's one of those movies where everybody's story kind of does one of those. That's what it's nice, about. Nice. Yeah. And it's about so my what? life too. Cause you know, my stepson to Bryson and then loss of my friend, stuff like that. So it's, there's parallels to it in, in the movie. It's almost that's like what me, I was going to, that's what I was going to say. Is what where what is the inspiration for it? You're, I mean, is it based on a lot of stuff that that you had to deal with that, that you've dealt with? Yeah. So like so like the whole Bryson thing. I never, you know, it's just it's just me here, dude. You know, I don't have anybody. I don't have a family. I don't have all my friends have died from ODs. Uh, it's just like this is the house all my friends were in. This is the house I played with Bryson. This is like it haunts me, and I'm like one of those tough guys. I just don't let it out. And who am I going to let it out to? So it's just like almost like it's the inspiration and the drive to do it, which is kind of the reason why I took so long to write it because I'm scared to like address it. You know what I'm saying? So, but I think when I do that part, the reason why I put me in that part is because it's real. And, and, and before that happened, these things happened, I probably wouldn't have been able to pull it off to the degree I hope that I can pull it off now. You mentioned Terry Kaiser. You met, you worked with Terry in uh, Roseblood, yep. bringing him back for, for laugh. Yes. Uh, tell us about working with Terry, man. Bro, you know me. I send you stuff. <laughs> Dude, me and that guy at three in the morning smoking weed at a fucking Ice Nine Kills fucking concert. <laughs> I mean, the dude is like one of my good friends. He calls me all the time. We talk all the time. He's 85 years old. He tells me crazy stories. You know what I'm saying? The guy's a study on look 85. You know? No, he, he doesn't. No, dude. He's everybody loves him, dude. Everywhere we go. Yeah, he takes me out to dinner, then we're hanging out with chicks, and then we go. I mean, he's just, (laughs) I can't, I like, if I was young, right, and watching Weekend at Bernie's, somebody said, bro, (laughs) one day you're going to make movies with this guy and hang out with him. I'm like, no way. What are you talking about? But Jason's got the same kind of stories, but it's true. And for some reason, like Kane Hodder, I I would like to say, oh, I'm so cool. Uh, You know, no, I don't know why the fuck they like me because there's a million people that are the same as me, but I'm lucky enough that for some reason, I'm cool with these people. Yeah. Dude, I love when you get your picture with him. When you get your 
picture taken with Terry, how he just starts that like that crazy <laughs> laugh to, to bring a smile to your face. Yeah, yeah. He said he learned that in acting school. Oh yeah. He said not only can you keep it your mouth the same, but it it's infectious and it makes everybody else laugh, which is true. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, he goes. Ha, 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 ha. He just does it like that, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on right now?" Yeah, yeah. We we mentioned uh, Vengeance Two earlier. How the fans wanted uh, Vengeance Two. I mean, I know the fans want a Roseblood Two, Roseblood Two as well. Is there any any talks of that? Uh, I, I have an idea. I already talked about it with Laura and everybody like that. The problem is, is I'm broke, and, and and to make that movie would take a lot of money, and we couldn't make money on it. Now, I do have a clever way of getting around that to making it our own idea because Rose is mine. Do you know what I'm saying? And the general's mm-hmm. mine, and a lot of things are mine. And if I can change Lars' name to something else, and you know, we can kind of get around that to a degree. But I mean, it, who knows? But if we kind of turn the corner on fan films and we're trying to actually make money and go that route. So maybe one day if I got a ton of money and I, I want to, if there's a director who's like ballsy and wants to do it, then I'll write it and then help out. But cause that'd be an honor. But um, as far as this, I think it's time we've paid our dues a long time and spent a lot of money, all of us and really put ourselves in bad spots. And I think it's time for us to make back. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the purpose of laugh right making your own so you can hopefully find distribution and, and make some actual money right yeah i'm glad you said that so so my whole idea is I, there's these six seven scenes that we have that we're going to shoot that i purposely selected for this <clears> days <throat> of shoot because i know those scenes in my mind will make a good trailer so what we do is we shoot those scenes we get the trailer then we show people hey this is what we did with the trailer and then, because there's big money investors that want to see what you're going to do, and then who knows? Maybe we shop it somewhere else, and we get a lot of money. Maybe a twenty four or something. We're totally dreaming here, but a twenty four or something like that. That's the goal: is to put a lot of money into these days and make everything as great as we possibly can. And I watched Cody on Metal Kingdom with Jason. I watched Cody and, and these guys on two fifty nine. Their talent level has gone. I mean, you think V two was like here? They, they're going there. It's it's at a whole different. The lenses they use everything's way different. So I really feel now with how much we've learned Jason too, from effects. I mean, he was always good, but I mean, how much better are you now, Jason, than five years ago? Oh, way better. Like we, yeah. every set we're on, we learn more and we yeah. try new things. We just got done this past weekend shooting and we did some things we haven't done before, which I kind of did as a test for laugh for some of the scenes upcoming, just to make sure um, not right. for this upcoming shoot in a couple of weeks, but in the future, testing things out and getting it right and dialing it in and, um, yeah. 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 Look at his when hands. did you he first start bloody, bloody hands right now, right? Yeah. I got yeah. <laughs> what when did you first start getting into doing the prosthetics and uh, special effects, Jason? Uh it was a long time ago. Um when uh, when I was a teenager I made a couple things just for haunted houses and kind of volunteered at some haunted houses and everything. And then I really wanted to get into movies and I met a filmmaker while I was doing graphic design, made some posters for him and he found out I could make things. So I did some props, costumes, and all that. Then they were like, well, you're big. Do you want to play the monster? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. So I get to start acting a little bit, and then it's kind of evolved from there. And then over the last, well, since Vengeance, you know, Vengeance, I did a couple of things here and there. And after that, just worked an indie film. And we'd get on set. There'd be a makeup artist or something working on something. I'd be like, hey, I could help out with that, or I'd like to be able to do something, or I'll tackle this thing, you tackle that. And... Then on V2, 
it was just all me. You know, like I, I knew I was going to do some certain kills. I started working on it in my house alone. And then uh, that's where we put a call out for some assistance. And that's where Naomi came in, who went to school down in Oregon for, for this stuff. And I met, met Naomi, came over to kind of assist and help with the head cast. And then it was just awesome. And so then we just worked together nonstop um, from that point. And, and then right around the time the film ended, like what's next? Uh, you know, we kind of caught feelings for each other and we started dating and, and I was like, you know, I got this real fiction thing. Do you just want to go all in on this with me and let's just actually do it? And said, yeah. So we just put our foot down and, and then we contacted Michelle from V2 also and, and said, let's just do this. Let's put it together and, and just really commit to it and, and do it. So that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. And it's been building and building and a reputation out here has been phenomenal our work is you know speaking for itself and things i can't wait for these things to come out for people to see yeah. them because there's so much that there's, there's a scene in laugh that is hopefully we could pull it off that is i don't want to give it away but it is a it's with the clown and it's fucking <clears throat> sick it's like something you dream up as a kid the pressure i put on these fucking people it's like oh yeah we're gonna do this this this, and this and they're like okay <laughs> i want to yeah. figure that out somehow you know so how much time like do you have to work on something like uh if you know laugh for instance like you guys know you're working on this now has any filming started yet at all no we don't start first of all i've given him no time he's like i've like totally handicapped him with time um we start november 2nd okay so like jason when when the movie starts rolling are you already working on some of the the props and the special effects that need to be I'm like, I'm taking a break right now for this interview from working on that. Um, I've got silicone on me too, because I've been, uh, we sculpted these face appliances and different things like that for the film. And now I'm casting them, um, doing molds of them so we can uh, make the the positives and uh, prosthetics for faces and the clown thing that Peter's talking about. So we have all the stuff going on there that we're working on. And we do, we do months. We take as much time as we can to get it right. But we also have other projects that are we're doing. So three or four other, you know, films at the same time. So it's got to prioritize based off this thing is going to take us six weeks to do. This will take us two days. This will take us two months. And then we just kind of budget our time um, for that stuff. And then some things like the thing that Peter's talking about, you know, we're going along pretty well. Then now we've got to make a pretty major change to it um, due to some circumstances. So that's one of those things where now we got to, figure that out into the timing as well. And um, so we're trying to cram out a few other things to get that done. So we can completely focus on that to get it done. But like I told Peter, it's like making a cake. Some things they take time to cure. You got to paint in different layers and it takes time for, for each layer to dry before you put the next one on. And if the cake takes an hour to bake and you only have 30 minutes, you're just going to get warm cake batter. You're not going to get the final product because it takes time to, to cure. It's not just a matter of shit goes, always goes wrong, which I fucking, I dread. But yeah, I mean, the days we're not on set, we are here doing lab work and I've got two team members out there right now working on, on this stuff. So he talks about, he sends, me, he sends me videos of the shit he's working on. It's fucking phenomenal. Is it satisfying? I guess, I guess it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like you, you put all that work into making something right. Like the, like you said, it takes time to cure, to paint, to to mold, to do all that stuff. And then 
you know, essentially like you're just ripping it apart and, you know, splattering it with blood and all that stuff, you know, is that, is that satisfying, I guess, right? Sometimes, sometimes. And then some things we use, we make it so that we could do multiple takes because, you know, there's always going to be issues. There's, it might be a camera that doesn't work right or an angle or something focused didn't get pulled right or went off, you know? So when you have something like we had on one of our last films, we had made seven full bodies for these actors who were in it and something terrible happens to each one. One of them explodes. It's like, okay, well, this is a full body. This is expensive. Right. And when we make it, if we blow it up once, if any part goes wrong, we're screwed. And that, that gig is no longer there. And the production spent money, you know, thousands, thousands of dollars on this. And we've spent months on this and it's just gone. Right. So we built it in a way that this body could explode and be put back together and redo it again. And um, thinking about the production and stuff and, and making sure we get the shot right. And because we have the blood too, we've got six different things that are happening to create the explosion and the blood flying and the guts flying and slime and, um, and the clothing having to be ripped off in certain ways. And then we had, so it takes nine people for this effect to happen without pyrotechnics. And we got on set and, you know, set it all up and we do it. We got on the first take, thank God. Because otherwise it would take a few hours. We could have rebuilt the whole thing, like a puzzle piece, put it back together, re-rigged it, get all the blood primed and everything again and um, and do it again. But we got it and uh, it was it was awesome. But we get to use some of those body parts in the future. It's like, oh, hey, we need to have a leg here, an arm there. We have a catalog of different things that we could then rent out, reuse, modify, that kind of thing. So Nice. Roseblood had many one-takers. The Kelly yeah. Ellison one, one take. Yeah. Jason falling through the wall, one take. You know, like it's just the Strang's hand, one take. Like there's so many pressure that you have to get it just right. You know, yeah. we don't have Hollywood budgets where you can just redo it again. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all worth it, it to to the fans anyway. I mean, to me, I mean, it looks always it looks great to me. So yeah. you guys are doing a great job. Thank so sh- shooting starts November second for laugh. Right. The second to the uh, yep. second to the seventh. Short, short shoot time. It's only for the trailer. Oh, shit. Okay. So we're shooting. Those scenes are going to be in the movie, but we're taking them, like I said, to, to put a trailer together to then show people. But those okay. scenes are knocked like Terry scenes will be knocked out. Most Eclipse is knocked out. Half of mine are knocked out, you know? Nice. So it's both. Yeah. We're, we're achieving two different things at once. It was That's why my first Indiegogo is very small. I didn't promote it that much. It was just those little. Fun. The next one will be the huge one with the trailer. Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the, I mean, the indie the Indiegogo campaign did great. I mean, yeah, right, fully funded. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost at twenty grand right now. It ends yeah. I think, tomorrow morning or something. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks, Ray. What do you have for these guys? Go Browns. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last time you went to a game? Uh, I went last year for one. Okay. It's 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 more fun to tailgate for Browns games. You know, we got the Muni lot, and it's just a – the stadium holds about 70 people, and our parking lots have about 200,000 people in them. So that tells you what people in Cleveland like more. You know, they like to drink and have fun in the parking lot. So Yeah, the Giants are like that too. Yeah. yeah. But they're it's also – we're very angry people because our team sucks usually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of angry people drinking in a parking lot, and you know what that leads to. 
Yeah. It's different <laughs> when you go to the Dolphins, bro. It's 90 degrees. Girls are in T-shirts with no bra. They're doing like throwing contests and kicking contests. In the Northeast, you're freezing your balls off. You know, it's totally Yeah. Different. Yeah, we're just we're just drunk and angry usually. Yeah, there's just one mission. Get drunk. That's it. That's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm get going to clear. Try not to get arrested. Casey's I'm coming going, here. Yeah, I'm going to see uh, the an NWA show in uh, the pro wrestling show in Cleveland on the 28th. And uh, Ray's like, man, he's like, I'm going to love watching you fucking freeze. I was like, fuck, I forgot it's cold everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah dude. I lived in Florida two years, bro. I came back and it sucked like that first year. So I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you'll be fine, Casey. Yeah, I'll be wearing shorts. He'll be have like a parka on. <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, I got a question about uh, Vengeance 2. So we got Richie Ramone in this movie. Yeah. And this is a spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear this, you shut it off right now. Uh, Richie Ramone is the drummer from the Ramones, who I absolutely love. And I kept sitting there going, you can't kill this guy. You, you cannot kill Richie. He's too tough to die. That's that's his big album. That's the one he's on. And you guys killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he liked it, though. He loved it. Originally, um, that part was meant for David Howard Thornton. Oh, um, really? Clown, yeah. So he and Felissa Rose were going to be in the in the film. But then when we got the schedule set out, he and Felissa were working together on another film, which actually didn't end up getting made in the end or completing. <laughs> but, um, but that was originally his part. And... Once he was not available, we're kind of like, oh, crap, what do we do? You know, and I got to figure something out, either take the, the role out or modify it. And then Tamara Glenn from Halloween 5, she she called me. She's like, hey, don't usually do this. But, you know, my friend Richie, he's he really wants to be in the film. And do you mind if I give him your number? And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, that's fine. You know, give me a, I mean, this full. I, I'm, and I in my mind, like someone's friend, Rich, I, I'm not going to put him in that role. It's like maybe he could be on the roadblock and be cannon fodder. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I get a call and it's like, hey, this is Richie from, you know, Richie Ramon. I'm like, wait, who? <laughs> Richie Ramon, you know? And I was like, wait, drummer Richie and stuff? kind of sound like him, dude. You kind of sound yeah, like him. Yeah. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, you know, it's, I heard you're making a movie and I, you know, I was interested in what I'm getting into acting and, and it was just great. And dude was cool as fuck. And we talked for a while and then I got off the phone and I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. Cause <laughs> Holy crap, you know? And so I thought about having, um, I'd already been mixing some things around cause we were going to have Alice Cooper in it, um, with Tom McLaughlin, uh, with the, the two redneck, uh, gravekeepers. And when I talked to Alice and his agent was like, no, he's touring. Um, we uh, I moved Rob Mello into that role and then shifted some things around. And I was like, yeah, I can put you here in this role. It's not the biggest thing or anything like that, but you come in and, and he did and he killed it. And uh, it was one of those moments, like Peter was talking about earlier, you have those things where I'm driving home from work and I get a text from Richie. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in the, studio right now we just kind of laid down some tracks really fast it's kind of rough but i just want to get your opinion what do you think of these sends me like six songs that they just recorded unreleased and uh he's like they're not masters like you know it's kind of rough so i'm hearing the studio recordings of him and his band playing and i'm like this is my fucking life Richie <laughs> ramon yeah. is like sending me what the what's going on you know and and so um he was cool and so we got to work with him on 259 again and he just killed that role as well. He's an amazing actor. Yeah, you got uh, you got two songs on the soundtrack from him also. Yeah, 
he was yeah. on when we we're on set he was like hey i was thinking do you mind if i write a song for your movie here oh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah they're good too. <laughs> yeah tom i love them there too tom mclaughlin uh, yeah, Tom McLaughlin. Awesome. Not ready to die. Too young to die. What was it? Too young to die. Too young to die. Never too young to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I gotta say, uh, Rob is great in that role. As, yeah. Uh, man, See, those, those things. Those two playing off of each other, him and Tommy, uh, is really fucking good. That's that's one of those things I was talking about earlier, where sometimes things like that were, you know, we were expecting Alice and didn't work out, and uh, so we move things around. Sometimes they get better. So I think I can't imagine it being better than having Rob yeah. and Tommy in there. My my hand hurts. What? Stop jerking off then. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They did really good ad libbing. Yeah. That was all they were all ad libbing all that stuff? No, all of it. I had the the script and there were certain key points. I'm like, I want I, I told all my actors, like, I want you to make it your own. If it feels weird, if it feels wrong to say it, I say it in your way. You know, and if there's a certain word or phrase that needs to be said, then we'll we'll keep that because it helps with the plot or it needs to come up later. But I say, make it your own. And so they sat there and they went with the lines that I said, these are important to say. And they did, but they had filler in between there. Um, and so like the whole, my hands hurting, that was all ad lib. Um, like, yeah, I feel a bad feeling about this. Cause the, 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 um, the line was, I've got a bad feeling, you know, something's going down because they're getting all these calls about all these bodies <laughs> from the first thing and whatever. And there's more coming in now. And he's like, I got a bad feeling, you know, and I, I got this arthritis in my hand, my starts acting up something bad's going to happen. And then the other thing about that, when we got to the location, it was right on a highway and there was so much road noise, but we couldn't hear. And we're like, there's no way we get clean audio. Like how there's no way we there's, you can't cancel all this out. It just, it was a mess. And so uh, we talked about it and I was like, well, what if we, and I, I talked to Cody and, and everything. I'm like if we have them yell their lines, can we put music underneath? Like they're just listening to loud music and they're too much of idiots to turn it down, you know? And he's like, yeah, that could work. Cause it'll be in the background. It'll cover it up and stuff. All right. So that's why they're yelling is because the road noise Then we just put the music in there. So it sounds like they're just too big of an idiot to turn it down. And, and that helped too. It was like, my hand hurts. What? You know, and it's like, I said, my hand hurts. Oh, well stop jerking up. And his zippers um, down. It's fucking great. Yeah. Lies down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like, can I put my fly down and do this? I'm like, Please do, yeah. Be the character, you know, have fun with it. These are, it's a great time to do that. So I know Rob talked about it a few times too. He said he loves having that freedom to be an actor, be creative, and and put your own spin on it. You know, so yeah, that's awesome. So this question, this is just something I thought of. Um, now I know a lot of this was a lot of uh, both of these films were filmed at, like Roseblood and Vengeance were filmed at uh, Sean's property, but like you know, uh, you said there was near a highway so like as a fan film or like an independent film like how do you go about getting permission to film at like certain locations just, just go and ask yeah well the the highways right the place jason's talking about if you go to sean's house you have to do that one way and do a turnaround do yeah you remember when yep. you take that turnaround it's right there right, right there's like oh, the yeah. cedarbrook yeah cedarbrook yeah. uh yeah. lumber yard right there so that was where we were on the side the roadblock itself that everyone's asking, how did you shut down an entire road and the highway? And you're like, we didn't. That's Sean's driveway. <laughs> it's like we we had a couple locations, but then um, we had one back road, but the guy was on vacation and he didn't want us to film there without him. And so we lost it. And we're so Cody and I walked down one morning, like, can we make Sean's long driveway to his property look like a highway and kind of fake it? We could only shoot it from one angle and one side. And 
So we kind of looked around for a bit and we're like, yeah, I think we can pull it off. And we did apparently because people, yeah. people have asked how you shut down an entire road. <laughs> it's private driveway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool watching it, like being there, you know, it's like, Oh, I, re- I remember that. I remember seeing that. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. The memories people don't know is like on a compound. If you think, about yeah. It, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Ray, you have anything else for these guys? I do. I got one for Peter. Do you think you would ever write a comedy? Man, great question. Man, I don't I don't know. The weird thing is, is if you got Casey knows me pretty good, Jason knows me pretty good. Like to think I'm a funny guy, like hanging out with me, but I almost that's like always off the cuff or just like that. I don't know if I could structure it well. This this tall fucker over here is really good at writing comedy um i don't know if i did it would be more of a struggle than than writing a serious character for me at least i think it's probably my weakness but do you think you'll take a crack at it at some point just to push yourself you you talked about going out of that comfort zone i like this Um, are you gonna do it i think this movie there's a couple funny parts in it just normal I think if this movie has a lot of success, I will try to add it in a normal movie on the next one. If it has success, then I could try to go that way. But I don't think I could just, I think I'd be bad at it to go full. Jason mm-hmm. talks about it all the time. Comedy is timing and delivery. It's really not even so much material. Like you have some, some comedians who don't even say funny things. Seinfeld, but just the way he says it is funny. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a talent in its own. Yeah. I think. Yeah, like that that scene that you're talking about with them two going back and forth that was written oh, beautiful. That was yeah, written that, beautiful. That's that's comedy gold. As gold, I like gold. Say. By the way, that's Ooh. Jason's dog Cujo. His real name is Choppy. Aww. That's Jason's little dog. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, and uh, please do your plugs. But after I hit end recording, stick around because I want to talk to you guys after this. Um, so yeah, plug plug away where people can find you, all that stuff. Uh, I'll go uh, Peter Anthony Productions. Easy. It's the Peter Anthony on on uh, Instagram. It's uh, Peter Anthony on Facebook. On YouTube, it's Peter Anthony Productions for for the movies on there. And Laugh is coming out in 2024. The Indiegogo actually ends tonight, so it probably won't be available then. But there will be another Indiegogo. But you can follow it at Laugh the Motion Picture anywhere. And I'm at RealFictionStudios.com. Um, you can find all of our uh, all of our social links on there. Um, some of our past work, some of the films we're working on, some of the ones we have worked on. So, yeah, realfictionstudios.com, I think, is the easiest way to get hold of us. Awesome. And I'll put all the links in the uh, show description as well. So thank you again, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, man.